0: God, I thank you so much uh, for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for, um, man, the freedom that we have right now to gather and to worship you. Uh, Lord, I do pray you'd move in people's lives today. Um, God, that you would encourage the weary, uh, that you would heal the brokenhearted, save the lost, and open the eyes to the blind, Father, whether they're blinded by religion years and years, maybe they know of you but don't know you, and maybe they're just... uh, Man, they've they've never even um, considered what it really means to live this life and eternity and their purpose, and I just pray that you would move in that. Father, I pray you would help me to preach your word and preach it well, and I wouldn't get in the way, and uh, protect us and shield us, and I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. How you guys doing? Great. Well, hey, I'm the the Pastor Todd. Nope, I'm Todd. I'm the pastor here. Is this echoey, this thing? Eh, a little bit. David, do your magic. I'm just uh, <clears throat> maybe it's just to me. I'm a squirrel. I get distracted easily, including by my own voice. So <clears throat> I'm gonna try to get back on topic. So anyway, welcome. Uh, I wasn't here last week, so thanks to AJ for stepping in. But kind of a bad time for me to miss. But God had a plan. AJ did good stuff, so thank you to him. But we're in the middle of a series. So two? Not that's a lie. The beginning two weeks ago we started. And I need to explain this to you. because Some of you, this may be the only time I get to talk to you. And those of you that I get to talk to, again, it's a good reminder. We are in a world at war. That's, that's reality. Reality. And I don't mean the, the kind of war you can see with guns and bombs, though that's happening, right? And there's threats of that all the time, and it's a scary place to be right now. But we are at war. And even those that, that aren't Christian, Right? It may be some of you in the room, even those that, didn't, that don't do religion or whatever you call it, there's a sense of two different viewpoints of life, right? two ways to look at the world that it's, so almost, it's almost too obvious now. And they're pushing against each other, and we're being forced right, to make a choice. And I'm going to say something right now to get the offense out of the way. Some of you are compromising. I'm going I'm to go a little farther. Most of us in this room are compromising. <clears throat> Things are going to get worse before they get better. So if you're compromising now, what are you going to do when it's worse? You know, I've, I've said this a lot lately, and if you come here, you know, when Jesus was handing out bread and fish and miracles, thousands of people at his feet. But when it came time to count the cost, how many people were at the foot of the cross? There's a lot of bread wonners in the room, in the world. A lot of miracle-takers. But there's not a lot of truth-seekers. Truth-walkers. <clears throat> now, there are some in the room. This isn't a salvation issue. Though your salvation is going to show... It should show in the way that you live this life and which side that you're on. But there are believers in the room that are compromising, and you're just handing it over. You're handing the culture over because you'd rather fit in than stand for something. And here's here's the funny thing. You do it under the guise of love. I'm loving people. Jesus was the most loving person that ever existed. He never compromised truth for his love because he knew that real truth is love. We're in a culture war. We've put this off for a long time. I've said this before and I'm kind of working up, you know, I'm trying to follow the Spirit. I know what's going to come when you tell people the blunt truth, right? People get upset. You get upset, remnant people get upset. I see your faces. Remnant people, people, this is your church, right? They get more mad at me than anybody. The rest of you, you'll just never come back. They'll stay and get mad at me the whole time. <clears throat> I didn't write it. So before we even get into this, when you, when you feel, and I say when because I am and do, and you will too, when you feel that pinprick of conviction, what is that, Todd? It's that feeling that, some, that, that I'm doing something wrong. When you feel that, you'll have two options. You can listen to the voice that says, write it off, blame me, blame the world, blame the person, blame somebody except who? Who never gets blamed? You. Or you can choose to trust that God isn't telling you this to shame you, but to give you real life. Because anything outside of God's will for you Is a joke, it's an illusion, it's a mirage, it's a masquerade, it's make-believe. Yeah, you have moments of happiness, but how's your life going? How's the cycle of it going? We're in a world at war. And so what we're going to do in this series is, the way I look at it is we're just going to tackle the areas that are getting confused. The areas that God's pretty black and white And even what's most concerning is that the church, with a capital C, has begun to to make the issue muddy. There are things we're compromising on in the name of what? Love that isn't love. Some of you in this room frustrate me. Because you will sit on your high horse and condemn people for telling the truth when you don't love them enough to tell the truth. If someone is about to get hit by a semi, if someone's about to fall off a cliff and you say, well, just that's love. Let them do what they want. That's loving them. You are a selfish, cruel person. Real love is telling people the truth. Not in a judgmental, hateful way, but out of a desire to see the best for people. Because the way the world wants to work, it may work, meaning it it rolls, right? Like an old car. You got to stop every now and then jump start it moves but it's not healthy it's not and i get frustrated right at what we do as a church and there's voices now, guys, that are, that are confusing the issue. And you've got these popular, not every popular megachurch pastor, by the way, is evil. But, or even intentionally, but they're confusing the issue, some of them. And you've got this thing called progressive Christianity. doesn't exist. There's either Christianity or there's not. If you don't know what that is, good. Don't look it up. It's just the, it, what essentially progressive Christianity is, is saying, hey, we can be like the world and still be Christian. It's unbelievable. And you think, we sit here in the Midwest and go, well, what can we do about it? We can stop compromising, stop avoiding the cost because you cannot follow him without a cost. He told us that. It'll cost, right? It'll cost. It's not always easier. It's not always more fun than compromising, but it's better. So we're going to go topic by topic, and that's the end of the sermon. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> um, if there ever has been a war, speaking back getting topically, if there has ever been a war, nice, get pumped up, it's an amen. If ever there was a war on God's design, and we're going to kind of go backwards. I thought of building up by going relationship and sex, because we're going to talk about that, Okay. You're all gonna be like, I know all about sex. No, you don't. You, d- you don't. Okay. And he said, "Sex." If you're in this room, you should be big enough to hear that word, and not go, woo, Okay. Because I'm not yet. Still, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like. It. All right. If ever, I, when I was in second grade, true story. This on the side. I came to my mom. This is. I remember this clear as day. I <clears throat> don't know why I'm telling you this. It's very embarrassing. So when I was in second grade. There was a fifth grade girl. Her name was Stacy. I'm not gonna say her last name. I Think I still remember it. She came up and she kissed me back behind the old baseball field we had in our, in our uh, and I was clearly felt a strange feeling I'd never felt before. <clears throat> when I got, when I got, and I heard stuff, and then my, my buddy, two things, they're embarrassing here. Um, one is that later, they came up to me and said, Todd, she's having a baby, and I go, well, that's it. I got to quit school. I literally thought that's what happened. Second grade, I was like, well, she I kissed her. She's having a child. And I've got to it's time to man up, <laughs> right? But putting that aside, because that's truly how naive it was, I was on a school bus, and someone said, ah, you're going to have sex." I was like, what is that? <clears throat> so I went home, and I said, hey, I didn't even know what the word meant. I just knew the letters. I go, Mom, what is S-E-X? She goes, that is a bad word. Don't say that. <laughs> and to this day, I have trouble. So if you ever hear me stutter, I can hear Mom going, hmm? <laughs> uh, that was it. We, we, I don't know if I've ever said the word to my mother outside of this. To this day, I'm uncomfortable talking about it. Anyway, if there was ever were, this, has nothing to do with anything. If there was a war on God's design, though, oh, I suppose a little. One of the most blatant and aggressive attacks has been on God's design for relationships. And all the parts that go into relationships, which we'll talk about, intimacy, sex, and, of course, God's design for committed relationship between men and women, marriage. Marriage has been attacked so, so hard. Sliced and diced, and it happens uh, bluntly, right? Kind of just, and it happens subtly, coming from all sides, Let's change the definition, let's say what it is, let's, let's do this, let's remove it from God, let's, let's, let's flip the definitions, let's call it this, let's call it that, let's put, pay all these things. It's constantly under attack. And that's because it's incredibly important. Now before I start, because we're going to talk about this too, Christianity tends to idolize marriage. I'm going to tell you that right now. Christianity idolizes marriage. I had people, there was a guy in here, I can tell, he went to a church before and uh, <clears throat> his friend in a, in a Bible study small group said, hey, be careful. Go on to that remnant guy. He's single, doesn't have children. So, you know, the Bible says elders, but since it says keep track of your household, if he doesn't have a household, he can't be an elder. And I said, boy, Paul, Jesus, everybody's in big trouble, right? Some people think you can't have a good life Unless you're married. And that isn't true. Okay? It's not true. In fact, what does the Bible tell us? The Apostle Paul says, hey, being married, you're going to have many troubles. (laughs) It's hard, right? Married folks, you know it's hard, isn't it? Those of you not seeing anything, you're either afraid or asleep. right? It's hard. But, you know, all good things are hard. They are. Or they're not worth doing. So as we talk about this the application is relevant regardless of whether you're single the rest of your life because you should still stand up for God's design for marriage. Now, I got a long trip to get us to marriage today. Because don't worry. It ain't all marriage stuff because I want to make a big point. But marriage is, is, is attacked. And the truth is, before we even get to some of the obvious stuff, we're not going to talk about some of the obvious ones today. I'll mention it about how the culture is. It's pretty obvious. Get the offense out of the way. Marriage, right? In the design, man, woman, married. Man, woman, married. Already some of you mad. Sorry, didn't write it. Right? Not sorry. It's the truth. Man, woman. Okay? I'm not even gonna talk about that. Because listen, what I want to talk about is even within the church, maybe primarily, our culture in general, and not just the church, our culture, is obsessed with what I call white cakes. You're obsessed with white cakes. Somebody looked over there. I was just pointing. It's no one specific, right? <laughs> right? What do I mean by that? Everyone loves and wants the big, beautiful fairy tale wedding cake and the white dress and the friends and the floating, I don't know, right? And the the carriage and the crystal the crystal chandelier, I don't know, all the beautiful things. Everybody wants all of that and it's beautiful and fun and the big wedding. Yay, yay, yay! And then it's over. But many of us spend the rest of our life in marriage searching for the next white cake. Marriage needs to be a white cake party every day where it's about me, and I'm the center of attention, and everything's great over and over and over. I'm not just talking to the ladies' guys, too. We're obsessed with it, and we compare, right? We've been married for a while, and it's exciting. A year later, we're like, they're having white cake. Where's my white cake? You pull that old shriveled piece out of the freezer, right? You're obsessed with it, and, what, and our obsession with it leads to comparisons, and comparisons, right? It, it, it's become this selfish thing even within the church, and ladies, uh, I might as well start here. Um, you have been enabled in the modern Christian culture. This isn't popular. You know why it's not popular to preach to you ladies specifically? Because about 75% of the church in America is women as far as regular attendees, so if I offend you, you're going to tell your husband, who's a chicken, you don't want to go to church anymore, he's going to weekly go with it, and then that's the end of it, and the pastor goes, well, now I don't have a job, right? That's what he thinks. I'm the kind of guy that's so like, listen, I'm on. This is, this, this is tomorrow, this is borrowed time anyway, right? <laughs> I'm going to say the wrong thing inevitably. <clears throat> you have been lied to. You have been enabled, and you have been told that you're a goddess, and the focus is always on how these terrible, crappy men, if you could just find a good one. If that one was like, you know, Pastor Bob or, you know, Tina's, I hope there's no one named Tina. Tina's husband, Rick, is so much better, right? And whether you're saying it or not, there's a comparison. That's white cake obsession. It's obsession. And what is the obsession really? You can wrap it in white cake and velvet and satin. It's... Self-idolization—it's what you want, and men, you enable it because if you play the role she wants you to play. See, this is this is something I, that drives me nuts. You know, some of the some of the men in here, man, what a good good husband he is because he never speaks up and he never says no and he just always is pleasing. He's the most selfish man in the room. Because he's just doing that for what you give him. Because if he's a good boy, you'll pat him on the head and give him a treat. And then you'll go brag to the ladies about how good he is, and whether he's a good man or not, at least he looks the part. Wow, you're miserable. That's to you, man. We're so afraid of being domineering that we don't speak truth. So we're like giant teenage boys that run around... Needing another mom. And guess what? The church enables that. That's what a good Christian man is. He's meek and mild, and he pleases you all the time because that's what white kick is. It's not even in the notes. Anyway, the thing about what God's design is, it is a beautiful thing. And when you see two people deciding to live marriage out, imperfectly, because there's no perfect person. But following God's design, if you've ever seen it, it is a beautiful thing. It points people to Jesus. It does. It points people to Jesus. You see, the reality is, marriage is going to show who you really are. It's going to show who you really are. So we're going to talk about that, but I told you I got, let's see, time. I don't even have a watch. I got a lot to go through. Put that aside for a second because I, I found something interesting in my studies for all this, okay? Everyone knows, anyone ever heard, any married folks, you remember maybe from your premarital counsel counseling, Ephesians chapter 5, the direct, it's the nice one, right? It's so the direct husband and wife. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we remember the words. Mm, some of y'all, you did my premarital counseling. I know you don't remember. Anyway, right? <clears throat> That's, it's true. It's in there. We're not going to start there. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, right, Paul's talking to a church that he helped plant, right, in Ephesus churches that he is, he is leading from afar, and he's writing to them. And you've got to remember, it's a society where they're, it was polytheistic, right? There's Jewish Christians, meaning they came from the Jewish background, and they're having to follow the Messiah and learn new ways. And then you've got these people that worship Jupiter, Zeus, right, and now you've got to change their ways. So he's writing to this culture, these small groups of people, these Christians who are surrounded by a culture telling them the opposite of the way of Christ. Sound familiar? And he's having to tell them and remind them of the difference between that world and God's people. Because even though it looks like we're living in the same world, we're not. So, We're going to jump into uh, Ephesians. Ephesians, that's funny. No, Ephesians chapter four. Okay, so he begins to tell people. And before all this happens, Paul kind of starts um, to set you in context here. Paul says, "Hey, you know, you've got the body, and the body needs the body is the church. You need to build each other up. You need to act this way. You need to walk in truth. You need to speak truth in love for the promote promoting of the good of the body. You're supposed to be different to each other." And then we're going to start in verse seventeen. I'm just going to dive into it. Stay with me. I'll wrap around. You're going to forget we were even talking about marriage, I bet you. It's like two and one. Bonus today. You're welcome. Right? Starting in chapter 17, I'm reading from the CSB. This is Paul. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Stop. If you don't know what a Gentile is, it's a non-Jewish person back then. Essentially, it's an unbeliever. You shouldn't walk like an unbeliever. In the futility of their thoughts. Futility. They're worthless thoughts. It doesn't matter what you think, <laughs> right, to a degree. When it comes to God, anyway, we'll get back to that. They are darkened, this is so deep, in their understanding. So why, why do they have futile thoughts? Why do their thoughts not, you know, why are they lost? Because they're darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Doesn't I feel like our world? I'm going to take an inch. Now I want more. I want more for me. More, right? So what, I'm going to stop right here for a second. What does he say? Put it in my own words here. Paul's saying to the church, he's like, listen, you've got to stop living like the world you got to stop looking like them. you got to stop thinking like them. you got to stop acting like them. Their way leads to nothing. You're acting like people who are blind when you can see. Why would you do that? Why would you turn your light off to walk blindly? Make sense? You with me? You better give me some. I can't tell if you're asleep or thinking today. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Amen. <laughs> Somebody's scared to death. Thank you. Amen. All right, going to verse 20. So that's what he said, it, and they became callous. The more, this is so true, the more you walk away from God, the harder your heart gets, right? Even believers, your heart can become calloused again, right? So he says, hey, they became callous and given so over to promiscuity. So he's painting this picture of it. It's just getting worse, right? They're futile. They're dark. They're lost. And then he says, but that is not how you came to know Christ, verse 20. I <clears throat> assuming you heard about him, ooh. <laughs> assuming you heard about him or taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, what does he say? That's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you even know him. What's the implication? He's talking to the church. Some of you in that room don't really know him. <clears throat> well, how can he know that? If your life doesn't look different, you need to check it. Or, how many people are going to go to the bathroom during this message? All right. This is how you came to know Christ. Somebody's going to become afraid to. You can go to the bathroom. That was meant. I assume you heard about him, right? That is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him or taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. This analogy is so good. Listen, you still every day when you're saved have to wake up and decide will I put the coat on of who I was or will I put on who I am? This is, there's nothing easy about following Jesus. I like to find the kind of words. Right? I'm a word guy. I like to see the verbs here. What does he say? Take off. If I'm just walking most of the time, right? my shirt's not just going to fall off. Josh is like, yeah, exactly, right? It's not just going to fall off. I would have to work to take this off, yes? You have to work to take that off. God enables you to. He will help you, but you have to be the one to do some unbuttoning. You've got to change, and then you have to take more effort to what? Once that's off, you have to put on the new self. Sometimes we're waiting to feel it naturally so we don't have to try. Get it? You're, some of you in the room are like, well, I'm doing fine because, you know, when God wants me to act this way, he'll make me feel this way. It's not about your feelings. Your feelings are just a barometer, right? Does that make sense? I told you you're going to forget this is about marriage. We're not, even, we're not even a quarter way through. Buckle up. All right, this is for me. <clears throat> so in taking that off, right, that old self is constantly being corrupted by what? Your deceitful desires. This is big. You're going to desire the stuff that's corrupting you. You're going to desire things that aren't of God. You're going to desire to sin. You're going to desire things that aren't good for you. I love that line. Listen to this. You're being corrupted by not just your desires, they lie to you. Your desires are lying to you. Right? Have you ever wanted something, right? You know what I mean. It could be addiction. It could be a relationship. You're, you, you feel it, you want it, and as soon as it's over, you're going, What have I done? Right? Because it lied to you. What did it lie to you about? It promises you life, it promises you happiness, peace, joy, right? It, it promises you distraction, it promises you something. And what do we end up finding out? It did nothing but corrupt it. And he says, You have to be renewed every day. Renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self. What? And this is the beautiful thing. The new you, the the real you, that is the real you. Is the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. That's who you are. That's the beautiful thing in Christ. Even when we met, he already sees that perfected you, right? He's there. He's waiting for you to catch up. And he's going to make sure you get there. He ain't going to stop. I'm just going to tell you right now, you can't get away from him. Do you want, do you, you can't get away from him. You want to be dragged or you want to follow? He loves you enough that he's not going to let go. All right, we're moving down. Verse 25, therefore, right? He said, put on, take off the old, put on the new. What does that mean, David? Therefore, put, putting away lying, speak the truth. About to come. If I see you sleeping in your remnant person, I will come down right now. Make the camera come on you. I'm looking at somebody right now. And I promise you I'll do it because I'm going to get fired anyway. It don't matter. Hey, you ready? You're going to follow me, camera. I'm going to walk right over here in this section to this guy I know. Anyway, <laughs> new people, I'm not going to do that to you. Please enjoy. <clears throat> Therefore, putting away... Dare me. You know who you are, chump. Anyway, therefore, put away. T- don't look back behind you. Who is he talking to? Anyway, therefore, putting away lying. He looked at a new person. Like it's got to be you. They were putting away lying. S- speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Because why? We are members of one another. Hey, hand, you're a foot. That's insanity. Don't lie to each other. That's simple, right? Let's go on. Is lying good? You want to be lied to? Okay, isn't that weird? We don't want to be lied to, but we lie. By the way, not a single person in here that didn't lie about something this week. I didn't. Yep, yeah, you just lied. Right? In the definition of God. Let's go on. Therefore, point away, be angry and do not sin. Ooh, thank God. I'm good then. I can be angry. Every time I... No. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. I'm going to sleep it off. Opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. and steadiest to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share. Why do you work? So you have something to share with anyone in need. What if they go buy something bad with it? Mm. No foul language should come from your mouth. Boy, we kind of gloss over that one. What's foul language? Whatever that thing is that just convicted you. No foul language is to come from your mouth. It's funny, man. The more you become more like Jesus, the more things seem foul. <laughs> right? No foul language coming from your mouth, but only what? This is, this is kind of your definition of foul language, by the way. The opposite of it is what? But only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those that hear. There's a definition. Well, I don't cuss. Yeah, but are your words used to build people up or tear them down? I have a big mouth. It's a problem for me right? I'm serious. I get it. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. Don't make him sad. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. It's beautiful, by the way, a little reminder in the midst of this that you're sealed and saved by him, okay? It's sealed. It's done. Let all Bitterness. Now listen, Christians, I know you've read this a thousand times. I want you to think of each word. And if you don't know what it means, look it up later. Sometimes we think we know the meaning of words. So, like, I might put anger and then wrath, and we'll be like, oh, wrath is also anger. Well, no, because it differentiates. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you. Mm, All slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. I'm not even going to explain because it kind of did. Let's keep going. Therefore, this is so convicting. Slow down and let your minds hear this. Let your heart soak this in. Therefore, be imitators of God. If I look at your life, if I could see your heart and your motives, do you imitate God or imitate the crowd? Well, if, if the crowd is all going to church, then they must be imitating God. Really? God's word is the only truth, right? And I say that and people get mad. Todd, you're telling us to doubt the church? I'm telling you to test it. It's warned over and over and over again. Some of you all, you don't want to because you'd rather go find what? A teacher for your itching ears. What does that mean? It means you want to find someone that tells you what you want to hear. Well, it's easy then, right? You're always God if you find a preacher or pastor or church that always agrees with you. Isn't that funny? Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Right? My daughter, I just always like an opportunity to talk about her. She mimics things I do, right? Oh wow. If you ever hear her, why does she say that? Because I've said that since she was little. Wow. Oh wow, right? Manny's gonna be like, no, I do, no, it was me. Right? Oh wow, right? <clears throat> or, you know, she <laughs> I she, uh, I've chased her around like a dog. People have seen this. If you, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous, but it's exactly what it sounds like. I'll get on all fours. It's happened in the four. She will now do that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Why? Because she's imitating her dad. She's watching me. Something that is so shameful, and I say it because I want you guys to know that we should trust each other. It's like, I have a big voice, right? Anytime that I'm not doing my, like, hey, how are you, babe? And, and I'm, like, serious, Todd. She'll go, hey, hi, hi. Because she's scared of that. I'm serious. She can't handle my voice being raised. She can't handle like when there's an argument. She, she doesn't like that, right? Why? Because <clears throat> that's not what she's seen. That's not what she wants to imitate. Right? I don't want her to imitate that part of me. So like God, like she loves me. She feels love. So she's going to want to be like me because I'm the caretaker. You should want to be like God. Be like Jesus. That's why he gave us Jesus. And, while, and some of you go, well, I'm not God. You're just making excuses. Just because perfection isn't attainable doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. Not for the sake of being perfect, right, but for the sake of being an imitator of God. And walk in love as Christ, how, what's love look like? Here's your definition. As Christ loved and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. The kind of love that God gives us, right? That Christ showed us. That's the kind of love we are to walk in. Not do sometimes. That should be who you are. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you. As is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking. There it is again. Or crude joking are not suitable. But rather giving thanks. And now I want you to listen to this last verse and let this sink in. Verse 5. For no one recognize this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, Todd, how do you put that together? I thought you said, well, you know, that once we're saved that he can't let us go. That's the point here. Two things I would say with this warning. One is if your life is characterized by this, right, more than Christ, you're, you're supposed to ask yourself, whoa, 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 do I really know him? Right? Or do I know of him? Secondly, I think there's a subtle warning here. Why would you practice things that are sending others to hell? Because you got your get out of sin free card, so you can do it, right? You can do the same thing they do because you don't go to hell. And he's like, why would you do that? It's kind of the same thing, right? Why would you walk with the blind? Why would you live in a way that's condemning and destroying other people? Why are you living as a prince, right? You are an heir, a co-heir with Christ, and you're living like someone that is an enemy. When you think of it that way, when the when that warning hits you, I'm gonna say it again, recognize this. If that's what you are, you will not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And yet we live like that because, look, oh, I'm good. Or some of us don't know him. We know religion. All right, so, I told you you're getting two in one. Stick with me. You'll like this, maybe. I don't know if you will. So I'm going to give you, so I don't know about you, but what I see in here, and I actually went back and I saved you guys some time, and there's a comparison between, the, for lack of a better word, the children of the dark and the children of light, right? And it goes on in chapter 5 to say this. Children of dark, children of light. Guys, listen. We know this. There's two worlds. You are in one of them. The domain of darkness is what this world is called, Right? Or the kingdom of the sun, the kingdom of light. And even though we're in the same place, you are an inhabitant. You are a citizen of one or the other. That's it. That's the beauty. You are a citizen of one or the other. Now, you can be a citizen of heaven and go and live like people in the domain of darkness if you want. And there's some people in the domain of darkness that try to fake it like their kingdom, right? in your kingdom. But at the end of the day, the fruit will show. <clears throat> and so there's these traits and the only way, by the way, to get from the domain to the kingdom is through Christ. That's it. And we talked about this in the kingdom series, and I'm going to do it again probably two years. It's a powerful thing to understand that we truly are not of this world. So there's two types of people living in this life. You know, Jesus goes farther to say, you are either a son of God or you're a son of the devil. Some of you in the room are like, I'm a good person. I'm not, it doesn't matter. You are one or the other working for the king or against him. And your religion won't save you, and your knowledge won't save you, and your good deeds won't save you. It's Christ or nothing. So, saved you some time. Let's look at the traits of the dark. That's what I put. You like that? It's kind of like a book. I like that. Traits of the dark. These are traits of people that are of the dark, right? What do we got? One, they're led by their deceitful desires. Led by, meaning that's what they follow. They follow whatever you want to do. Like we had a joke in here. I sleepy. Second time, I'm coming down. Third time. Oh, boy. You know who you are. (laughs) He's like, I ain't sleeping. I'm allowed to say that to people that are members here. If you're a guest, have a good nap. Led by the... You, on the other hand, I will promise you, bro, I... (laughs) Yeah, turn around, that's right. Led by their deceitful desires. Listen, i got to stay awake, right? Led by their, get you an energy drink. Led by their deceitful desires. They're led by their desires. They're led by their sinful desires. What characterizes your life? Do you do what? I do what I want. We used to joke about that around here. I do what I want. What you want ain't always good. Number two, I got to move, man. I forgot. It's kind of two sermons in one. I got to get to the marriage thing, right? That's the whole point. Two, they lie. (laughs) Traits of the dark, they lie. Why? Well, we see in other sections, they say they hate the light because the light reveals the truth. So they'll do anything they can to avoid the light. By the way, unrelated, and I'm being held to this, for this series, for those of you, there's going to be a study guide that's printed right? Because it's going to go for a while. It's going to be put on. It's going to be pretty cool, hopefully, Lord willing. Um, But a lot of this stuff, if we're going to let you have notes, but there'll be stuff put out. It's going to be in a booklet. Um, We're going to do a study around that, hopefully. So be praying for that. Number two, lie. Number three, controlled by their anger. Ooh. Everybody gets angry. That's why why I like Paul doesn't say, hey, if you get angry. Listen, you're going to get angry. Be angry and do not sin. Some of you in the room, you can, isn't it funny? Some of us that are most angry, and I say us, Deep down, we're some of the most tender people, and we get hurt, and we've been hurt over and over, and so what we end up doing is we say, I'm not going to be hurt anymore, right? I'm going to make sure nobody hurts me. I know that because I'm that guy. I'm with you in my nature. Here's the thing. We can't allow that to control us. You know, I had a counselor tell me this, and I've said it a million times around people. It's a beautiful thing. changed my life. He said, Todd, the way you act, because I was like, I know it's irrational. He said, no, no, no. What happened to you, the way you were raised, the things that happened to you, it's completely rational for the way you act. It's rational, but it's not healthy, right? And it's the same for you. Some of you in this room, don't beat yourself up. Say, oh, my gosh, why am I like this? No, you did and became, right, what happened to you, but you don't have the excuse anymore to live that way. It's unhealthy for you. And I'm with you. You're not alone in that. I promise you. And don't let anybody condemn you because you still battle that, all right? Christians do that sometimes, right? they like, oh my gosh, anybody that's passionate, because there's beauty in your anger, right? There's a, I'm being serious. There's a passion. There's a good side to it when you stand for good. Don't let anybody shame you for that or try to tame you. Just use it for the kingdom. All right, controlled by their anger. Four, they steal. Listen, there's a lot more thieves in the world than I ever knew. I'm being honest. A lot of you all folks in there, you're thieves. The one's looking away right now, like, hey, me, yeah, it's you. You're a thief. I ain't going to shame you. You steal things. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you, some of you steal. Nobody goes, anyway. Uh, you steal, right? What? They use foul language. They disobey God. They're bitter. Man, I'm preaching to myself. Bitter is what happens, right? What happens when water, when you put a cap on it and just sit it in the, in the heat and the dark, becomes bitter and gross. When you have hurts and frustrations and sins that you bottle up and keep, it turns bitter. Some bitter folks in here. I'm with you. <laughs> Sometimes it's just hurt, right? Characterized. Okay, well, here's anger again. They're characterized by their anger. Are you the guy that's the angry guy? Everybody knows. Don't talk to him. He's the angry guy. I'm coming for you, sleepy. All right? Vengeful, vindictive. I'm going to have a nap room. That's what I should do, right? We're serving you. I'm going to have a nap room. Just go grab you a blanket and get in the nap room. All right? <clears throat> characterized by their anger. They're vengeful and vindictive. There's a lot of old church ladies in the world that are very vindictive. I'm being honest. You mean sweet old Karen? right? <laughs> nice. No, I didn't even mean to do that, right? I'm just saying it doesn't matter the age. Vindictive can come in little ways, right? Ten, they use, this is a big one. They use screaming, shouting, and loudness as a weapon. They're bullies. They make statements to destroy a person's character and reputation and life and act like it's not serious. Here's one. Well, they sin, so I have to make sure everyone's aware of it. Didn't you hear about so-and-so in the other church? I need to make sure you're warned. Where's that at in Scripture? Shut up. I'm serious. Shut up. If you're not in their church, right, shut up. I'm tired of it. Quit going around. If it's not a serious, you know, yeah, there are things we should warn about, but like, go, stop going around and slandering because, you know, your great uncle's best friend's neighbor told them XYZ about so and so. Stop doing it. Stop justifying it with your religion. A hateful desire to harm people. It's malice, right? A hateful desire to harm people. You wanna, well, I'm just giving them what they deserve, I'm just giving them what they gave me. Sexually immoral. I skipped one. Unforgiving, right? Listen, bottom line, this goes back with talking poorly about people. You know people that talk about other people and condemn them? They are fully unaware of their situation. If that's you in the room and you're judging people go, oh, they're bad and I'm not, you are sorely mistaken about who you are in the story of life. Right? There were some other people that said, I'm not, I'm not bad, I'm not a sinner, I'm not blind, right, Jesus? No, if you're blind... I could help you, but because you say you see, I can't help you. I didn't come for the healthy, right? I came for the sick. That's important. It doesn't mean sin so we can come. He goes, the people that can admit they need it. When you don't forgive, when you condemn, you're setting yourself above people and you've forgotten who you are. That's why Jesus says, right, those who don't forgive, I'm paraphrasing, will not be forgiven. Why? Because they they, they can't understand it. Well, what am I supposed to forgive? How many times? Seventy times seven. Put your calculators away. It's, it, means, it means a lot. It's not specific. Sexually immoral. What does that mean? Guys, <laughs> there's sexually immoral people, right, in their heart and their mind. They live in it. It <sighs> doesn't always mean actions. They're greedy. A lot of greedy Christians out there, man. And they justify and under being responsible. Well, they're not putting the money where I think they should put it. And since I'm successful and wealthy, clearly I know better. And also you just blessed with wealth. Some of you all are just lucky, folks. You ain't even that good at stuff. I'm being honest with you. That's fence. Some, some rich people ain't even that good at anything. You just lucked out. Now, some of you are. Awesome, right? But, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see wealthy people who recognize their wealth as a gift. Because they. I know a guy, a guy that donated that field, lives in Colorado, my buddy. I called him up. I thought he would give us like $200. He gave us way more than that. <laughs> okay? All because he believes in the kingdom. Didn't ask a question, didn't shame me, he just sent it. Here you go, Todd. That's a dude that, like, you get why God gave him that money. Uh, Obscene, foolish, and crude talking. They practice idolatry. What's idolatry? Anything that you put above what God wants. What do you worship? Your image, your reputation, your wife, your girlfriend, your husband. How'd that work out for you? Some of you all are in terrible relationships over and over again because you're like, I don't know why they don't love me. I'm such a good man. No, you're a good carbon copy of the same thing. Stop worrying about worshiping a woman or a man and stop worry, start worrying about worshiping God. Right? Being a good husband or wife does not make you a Christian or a disciple, but a disciple whose true following will be a good husband or wife. There's that. Traits of light. i got to move, right? So that's contrasted with the traits of light. I put, parentheses, believers. I was going to put world walkers and kingdom workers. That would have been cool, right? But then I was like, somebody's going to get confused. But that would have been cool, yeah? World walkers. Anyway, (laughs) traits of... Traits of children, believe of the children of light. That's what he calls you. Children of light. All right? Believers. Hey, wake up. Come on, man. How are you not excited? When I do, when I do this, everybody thinks I'm looking at him. Good. All right. One, speak truth. Believers speak truth for the intention of loving someone. They speak truth in love, they will tell the truth because they love them. They love that person more than they love being loved by that person. Ooh. They love that person more than they like the feeling of being loved by that person. Let that sink in. I've said this before. I love my daughter. I'll give her the world. Right? But I will spear her right now at age two if, it, if a semi was coming to get her. You get it? because those bruises that broken arm lord forbid is way better. I would love, rather have her in my life than say it's okay, she's happy. They speak truth and love. They're righteous people. They live their life in an upstanding way all the time. They seek to do it not in perfection but they seek to do it number 3. They do not lie. They don't make that the habit of who they are. Telling the truth by the way is a muscle. Practice it and it'll get easier. I'm serious. By the way, lying is also people-pleasing because it's lying. Number four, do they don't let their son, their son, my goodness, they don't let their anger turn to sin. So I'm going I'm to put this with, that's an easy one, but I'm going to put this with the next one, number five. They seek and strive for peace, and I put this in parentheses, or uh, quotation, over sleep, over short-term comfort right I don't want to talk about this I'm tired I got a big day so I'll be fighting with my husband or wife who cares unless you both agree make it right I got to do this I got to do that quit justifying right and thinking that this thing you have to do that your job some man have you ever thought about how much we worship work I'm serious we will literally treat our coworkers better than the people that we live with our family We'll let them down. And here's the creepy part. We'll be like, yeah, that's fine. You can treat me like garbage. We can't, you, you definitely can't let your boss down. Does that make sense? Do you get what I'm saying, how backwards and twisted that is? Right? They strive for peace over sleep, over their comfort. They want peace. They'll work it out. It's hard to work it out sometimes, right? You ever just feel emotionally tired? Me, I do. You got to work it out, all right. Six. And some of you, by the way, oh, that's a Christian thing. I'm going to come back to five. You're like, but well, I'm a peacekeeper. No, you're not. You're a chicken. There's a difference, right? <laughs> you're not a peacekeeper. You just run away from conflict. By the way, talking calmly about our issues to make peace is not conflict. I know it feels that way, genuinely. There's reasons some of you have been hurt and you feel that way. You've got to go through that. Trust God, right? Six, they do honest work. Parentheses, they're not lazy. Ooh, boy, that would get some people. What's lazy? I don't know. You tell me. I can't tell you what lazy is for you. They're generous with their resources, as long as the person's worthy, right? They use words to build people up. They offer grace. Grace and forgiveness are different. Grace is, I'm going to treat you and give you a role and a position you did not earn. Make sense? I'm going to treat you like you are worthy of love and honor and acceptance and forgiveness, even if you're not. But guess what God does to us? See, a lot of times we mix up God's mercy and God's grace. God's mercy is the fact he doesn't pour his wrath on us. God's grace is that he calls me a child of God and a co heir of Christ. Make sense? You with me? If we're taking naps. I want to go take one too. Yeah, you with me? Perfect. Thank you. I'm just so insecure. Anyway, here we go. Be, do honest work, use words, build people, offer grace. They obey God. Obeying God is not always going to be a desire. All right, Christopher? It's not always going to be a desire. Got him. <coughs> They're kind. They're kind people. They're kind. Are you kind? Nice and kind aren't the same. right? Some people are nice to get things. That's why God knows our heart. Do you offer kindness to people that can't give you anything in return? Compassionate. Empathy. You see someone and you, you feel moved to enter into their life. That's what a believer does. They're forgiving and merciful. Put them together, right? You offer mercy and forgiveness. And by the way, I'm really sorry it's cold in here, guys, but I just can't keep sweating. <sighs> I turned it up for you, by the way. It was colder until I got here. It's true. Forgiving merciful. They imitate God. They practice Christ-like love. It's agape. Christ-like love is a love That you give with no expectation of getting in return. It's sacrificial love, right? It's for you, Luke. Muscles don't scare me. Anyway. (laughs) Thankful, right? They're thankful. Boy, that's some of us, right? Sometimes we see our problems so big. Do you live a life of being thankful? Okay, so in the sermon. Be children of light. Be children of light. Leave it up for a second. People catch it. Be children of light. No. Would anybody, right, in this room, I think none of us would argue with this. Believers should be at minimum one and not the other, right? We all agree for the most part? Yes. Now listen to me. In this same section, remember, the letter wasn't broken into chapters. Makes sense when Paul wrote this? In this same letter, in the same context, We're going to get into the section in chapter 5 that talks about marriage. You're going to look at those and say, no, we shouldn't steal. No, we shouldn't be hateful. No, we shouldn't be filled towards malice. And a Christian should be that. And if I'm doing all these things, I'm good. I would say, if you're doing all of these, but you're not taking this section about husbands and wives as seriously, and you don't view that as an indicator of you being saved, you're foolishly mistaken. The same context, this same section describes the ways of the world compared to the kingdom of God. And then we're about to get on this weird, random, interesting section on marriage and the traits that godly marriage should display and what should characterize the believer, husband and wife. Not a husband and wife that's a believer. Remember, these are the traits of believers. And right there in the midst of the traits of the believers we have, it's not about husband and wives. He goes, believers will be like this in marriage. It's no different than being thankful. It's no different than being generous. This is what it's like. And some of you think you can be good at all of these and not in marriage and not pursue what it means, and that God's okay with that because the world tells you it's okay. You understand? It's wordy. It'll make sense in a second. So let's move. jump down to verse chapter. So we got this big list of what to do, not to do. And then this section just kind of pops out of nowhere, starting at verse 22 in chapter 5. It says... Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Oh my goodness! I wish I could read your minds because I'm already know some of you all mad. <clears throat> I'm gonna get you all right here. The first thing some of you thought is the verse right before this. It goes, actually, Todd. It says we should be in mutual submission to each other. You're misunderstanding. <laughs> Don't use that to get out of your call, ladies. Oh my goodness, I just want to come down there right now. I'm going to make you mad. I was going to go to the men first, but I'm just just because I'm afraid of you, I'm just going to come at you, right? You need to hear it. Submit to your husbands. when he's good, he's worthy. Ask to the Lord. I can see your faces. It gets me so excited. I wish you'd just say it. Isn't it funny when I talk about in the husband section a minute, when I say they're supposed to love everybody in the room, is going to go, that's right, husband's got to love their wives. It's interesting, it starts with wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Black and white. Well, in the Greek it means this, stop telling me that. You either trust translations of the Bible or you don't. And if not, then go. Everybody in the world needs to be preaching out of Greek. That's why I'm not. Oh, it's another topic. All right, he is the Savior of the body, Christ. But it's interesting. He goes back and forth here. What the heck? You mean the? What do you mean? But also, stay stay with me. Remember that phrase. He is the Savior of the body. That's Christ talking about the church, right? But there's a comparison made. Keep going. Now, as the church, here he goes again. He's got to say it, ladies. I wonder why he's got to say it a couple times to you. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in one of the things they want to do. In everything. Oh, I already got you. See, thank you for being honest. She's like, Mm-mm. yeah, you got to. That's the call. Now, I'm going I'm to stop your mind. I'm going to talk about the boundaries of that. But why is that your only focus? Why is your mind immediately going, the times I don't have to do it? Oh, I got you good. Some of you are like, what about being abusive? Why does your mind go to that? You want the loopholes. Stop looking for the loopholes. Ladies, the bottom line is you are your husband. And this isn't something that sin, Some people think, well, this is because sin came in the world. No, it isn't. Right? And, and this is something that even as I say it, I was raised, if you've met my mom, my sisters, right, anyone met them? Are they weak, meek women? No, 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 okay? I'm going to introduce you. They are not. So, so even as I say this, I have a war inside my heart because I'm like, whoa, what are you trying to say, Todd, right? Like, but it's the truth. And it makes sense when we think of it logically. At the beginning, God created man, and he created woman to be a helpmeet. It's not just a helper. Helpmeet's way more. I view it as like she's the missing half. She's the puzzle piece. She's the thing that makes you, right, work. <laughs> that's, what, like, that's what makes you function in marriage. You can function without a wife. But you get my point? When you're married, <clears throat> and I, I, I want to stop real quick before I continue. Guys, I was single, meaning not married, for a long, long time, and I accomplished a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to had I been married earlier. Right? So I can look and say, man, I wish I'd have been married earlier. I wish I, you know, you wish you had kids, all this stuff, but you can accomplish a lot while you're single. Stop, stop wasting this, the time in life you have by looking at what you want. Make sense? Stop focusing on, stop focusing on where you're not at and learn to walk in love and truth and, and life where you're at. Okay? Seasons are for a reason, and you're going to look back. Oh, that was good. You're going to look back and go, man, I missed that. It doesn't matter where you're at, right? Haven't met a married person yet that doesn't sometimes say, Man, I miss when I this. That's that's okay. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I should probably just read all this and then come back. We'll come back. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. Only when she's respectful. How often are you respectful to God? How often do you obey God? Right? Just as Christ loves the church, he loves you anyway, doesn't he? And gave himself for her to make her holy, right? How much did you love your wives? As much as Christ did. What did Christ do? He gave himself up for her. Why did he give himself up for the church? For us to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like it, but holy and blameless. You will love her in such a way as to protect her and keep her safe so that she has not a single spot or blemish on her. What do you mean, Todd, physically? Yep. You mean spiritually? Yep. You mean mentally? Yep. In every possible way that you can, you will do that, knowing that you'll never be her savior. But that you want to do everything in your life to protect her. To keep her what? Spotless and blameless. What if she wants to hurt herself? Some of you in this room, you chickens, men, would let her cut herself and hurt herself because you're just being a supportive husband. A good boyfriend. I'm oh. Drives me nuts, man. This nice guy thing that's been worshiped in the church today. I want to be kind, not nice. Anyway, he did this to present himself in the same way husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. Ooh. Remember what I told you? He who loves his wife loves himself. There's this comparison, right? Remember, I told you he's the savior of the body, right there in the middle. What's the body? You're one flesh, you're one body. The husband is the head of the household because he is called to protect and save and, if necessary, die for what? For that body. He loves his wife, loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Now, I'm going to put this. Some of you, you know, you get you struggle with that, maybe cutting all these things, so put that aside. For the most part, we don't chop our own arm off when it hurts, right? Otherwise, all my body parts would be gone. I'm sore all the time. Okay, right now at this moment is anything not hurt. My right fingers are okay. Other than that, everything is sore, right? I don't chop that off because it annoys me. Why? Because that would be insane. So then why do you attack your other half? Because they upset you or hurt you or irritate you. That's irrational. That's what he's saying here. For no one hates no flesh but cares for it. How would they care for it? Just as Christ does the church. There's a comparison again. What does Christ do for you? That is what you are called to do for her. Well, she doesn't respect me, so I'm not going to love her. I'm not going to do what this says because I don't feel like it. That's what children do. Since we are members of his body, right? So there it goes again. Christ takes care of the church because we're his body. He's going to take care of his body. Remember that comparison that's in there? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two, here we go, will become one flesh. The analogy all comes together, one body, right? Now, if we think of it as a body, things start to make a little more sense. Verse 32, boy, this is crazy, and I don't have the answers because neither did Paul. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What? We're talking about Marriage. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. There's no qualifications here. I will respect my husband if he's respectable. Where does it say that? Every Christian woman in the world that is a true believer will say, will say you're right, Todd, but you don't, I'm, we're going to get specifics here. Okay? No qualifications. There's no proving it. Well, once they earn my respect. I know you live out of that. I've heard some of you say it. And a couple other things before I go on. You are not called, ladies, to submit to every man in the world. Okay? Okay? There's some some churches that will take that and say, you're called to submit to every male because you're in fear. That's not true. You're called to submit to one man. Now, other people in authority you submit to, right, because God has set that up, but you're called to submit to one man, not to every male in the world. That's weak. So Jesus was weak because he lived in constant submission to the Father. The Bible tells us in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? I don't want to do this, but your will, not mine. That's submission. If there's another way, I w- can I have that. But your will, not mine. Is that weak? It's the strongest thing in the world. Well, what does it mean to respect your husband? Do you decide what's worth it? Do you? Do you decide what makes sense? Do you belittle him? Do you disregard him? Do you deny him sex? Just be honest. I already made some of you mad. We'll get to your part in a second. Relax. Do you deny him? Because it doesn't make sense. Oh, Lord, help me to submit to him in this. And when my heart wants to, I will. Okay, so then he, right? Lord, help me. To love her and come home and provide for her. But until that moment, I'm going to go to the bar and drink and sleep with prostitutes. But the day you change my heart, Lord, I'll come back to her. When he has an idea, you're like, oh, I just want a strong man. But every time he talks, you belittle him. Is it always his, is it always his fault? Is everything his fault? I wish he would just share his feelings more, but when he does, it's automatically what he did to make you do that to him. Hey, you know, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to talk to you about this. Men aren't naturally usually good at this. You know, you kind of hurt me. Well, you hurt me when you did this. Is that respect? Do you argue with him in front of your kids? Do you argue with him publicly? Do you make the jokes, ha, oh, ha, my husband's an idiot? Do you compare him to other men, not just out loud in your heart. You see, you and I and everyone in this room understands the importance of submission. Understands the importance of submission. We get it, and don't say you don't. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're at work. What happens at some of your job? Any of you ever had a bad manager? Raise your hand. Things go well. Raise your hand if that bad manager uh, led to a really good work environment. That's me. Thank you. <laughs> right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. It's irrational. We know that. You have to have someone that when people want to go left or people want to go right, who's the tiebreaker? And God loves us enough to say that. It's not even about right or wrong. See, ladies, here's the beauty. It's not about even the, willing, the, the worthiness of your husband. It's the strength of your faith in God. Todd, what if, what if I follow my husband into stupidity? What if he does this? What did God promise you? I will take care of you. Ladies, that's just as important and just as indicative of your faith as anything else. And I, I, I planned, and then I went too long because of the two-sermon thing, to give you multiple scenarios because I've seen it. I've seen it so many times over and over and over, well, he acts like this, and he does this, and it's like, submission doesn't mean you can't share your opinion. It doesn't mean that they're always right, right? (laughs) But it does mean that you give them the respect they're owed, not because of their worthiness, but because of the position that God has given them in your life. It's not God you reject. I mean, it's not your husband you're rejecting. It's God. And some of you man some of you play Christianity so go, so good. Some of the most disrespectful marriages I've ever seen look so good publicly. But unfortunately I know you. Right? And as long as no one else sees it it's okay. Do you even give your husband an opportunity to lead? Single ladies, you want to contribute to this? Are men just morons? And even if they act like it sometimes, if you deserve to be treated with honor and dignity because of your value in God as a creation of God, then why are they not? Why are they not worthy of it? Why do you not treat your brothers with a respect that they're due because of who they are and what they are? Not even in submission, right? But that plays a role in it. It's all part of it. Does that mean... That you are to submit to abuse? No. Does that mean you are to submit when it conflicts with God? No. But you can respect even in disagreeing. Did you know that? The other thing is, some of you guys, and this goes for everyone, you don't follow the Bible in other areas. You think that, like, for instance, Matthew 18, the way to handle sin in the church doesn't apply to your marriage. If your wife is consistently disrespectful, you've talked to her about it, she won't change. What does the Bible tell you to do? And the other way around, some of you men in here, you bullies, they can't go to anyone because you'll punish them. Oh, boy. So you just let in secret, right? You get to sin in secret because you're the leader. Respect me. You can't go to anyone else. How far does that go? The next steps, you're slapping her around and she can't go talk to anyone because she needs to submit to you? That's disgusting. <clears throat> no qualifications, no proving it. You need to submit as Christ submits. I mean, as we submit, the church submits to Christ. That is what you're to do. Period. So when there's a tie, right, what does it look like for you to submit? To willingly lay it down. It doesn't say be weak, or God would have said, "Wives, be weak, submit." That takes act, right? That takes and that takes strength. Moving on, I, I got. I'm running out of time. You guys, okay? You awake? I know we're going long day. I got to give you a lot, husbands. You are to love your wives. This blows your mind when you think about how you want God, how Christ, how you want Him to respond to you in your mistakes. You want Jesus to scream at you, cuss at you. Yell at you? Hmm? You want him to punish you? Condemn you? Shame you? Is that what you want? Is that what Christ does to you? Because that is how you are to love your wife. The way in which scripture tells, right? It tells us Christ loves us. Love is what? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love believes all things, endures all things. You know, there's kind of two extremes among Christian husbands. And this goes for the world. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care. It doesn't function where two people, by the way, are like the same. That doesn't function. That's insane, right? It doesn't make sense. And the world's going to try to, have you ever not, now think about before I go on, how does the world attack what I'm saying? Ladies, what does it tell you? What's the message that you're told? I can't tell many women say, Todd, if I submit like this, I feel weak. Who told you that? The world. They strengthen that, right? Men, it's the same thing. You, if you're a good Christian husband, you're a good boy. To be a good Christian man means to make your wife happy, not holy, right? Everybody says amen and nods until it comes time. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Does Jesus give in to my desires when they're not good for me? Does Jesus lose his identity to be in relationship with me? Does Jesus just sit like a log and say, "This is you know," and and not you know, life's over now, and I'll just get like a I don't know, just rot, right? Does Jesus just stop moving and living and 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 doing kingdom work? Does he stop? even when I want him to? Does does he stop telling me to do good? Does he stop leading me even when I rebel? (laughs) Yeah or nay? No. So what are you doing? We're not to be domineering, man, because Christ isn't domineering. That's the thing about him. He's so strong, right? But I always view him as he's like, you can come with me or not, but I'm going this way. Sometimes being a husband means I love you even when she's not. I'm leading the household this way. I'm not even going to, I'm not dragging you by your hair. You can come or not. Real strength is walking toward truth, making a decision, even when you're not sure she's going to follow. That's what Jesus does. Now, you can find all the holes. I don't have time to preach every scenario here, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying, man. There's two ways you can be domineering. Hateful, mean, bullying, or you can be weak and passive and nice, and neither one is what we are called to be as husbands. Neither one. Be better. What this world needs, and I'm coming back to the ladies, and i got to end here, even though we might have to have a part two. But I'll tell you this, Ladies. You want to be world changers? The world doesn't need more Christian women that prove that they can, I'm going to argue about preaching and I'm going to argue about this and I'm as equal about, we don't need, we got plenty of that. What we need are women that are willing to lead in submission who are strong enough to say, yeah, I submit, that doesn't make me weak. I submit to Christ and if you come call me weak, I'm like, you're a chump, I'm not weak. I choose to follow him. We need women that are willing to do that. We need women in this church that are willing to do that and strengthen that and set culture in that and challenge their sisters when they see them disrespecting their, their husbands, even if their husbands aren't there. Because would you call out the rest of it? Right? Would you call out being hateful, sexually immoral, greedy? Would you call all that out? Well, now add to the list a Christian will also what? A Christian woman will also, mar- a Christian married woman will also submit to her husband as to the Lord. She will show him respect. It's on the same list as. Uh, Obeying God, being kind, compassionate, forgiving, merciful, imitating. It's on the same list. You see why I'm wrapping it together? It's all the same list. Stop separating it. You can't be good at these and not be practicing this in your marriage and say that you're following Jesus. And the same thing with you, men. Some of you all, you know what I'm tired of hearing too? I might as well. I got my soapbox, I got one chance to say it. I'm sick and tired of you justifying not doing anything in your home, your church, your work because you got to work. Shut up, dude. You're not the only person with a job. I'm so tired of hearing men act like your job is the hardest job in the world. Your job is not the hardest job in the world, okay? Are you on the mountains of Kilimanjaro harvesting a life saving venom of the Himalayan sneeze? I made this all up. Sea snake. Right? My point is, you ain't the hardest job in the world. Quit. I'm so tired of it. Quit justifying it and bullying your wives and saying, I can't interact with my kids. I can't speak into your life because I'm tired. Boo-hoo. Right? Is there ever a day you that, I'm being honest, man, that you wake up and you aren't tired, stressed, all right, sick, something, is there? If we just decide what we're going to do based on that, ain't nobody getting out of bed. Some of you all worship your jobs more than you love your family because that's your identity. We all have that. But flip side, ladies, my last one of you, i got to be done. That's got to be a part two. I didn't plan well. Men are naturally going to want to pour into areas where they feel respected. You want to know why a lot of men will put all that effort into work? Because they feel valued there. Do you create a home in which your husband feels valued and respected or not. If not, then maybe you wonder why he's at work all the time. <sighs> I definitely should have made this part like two. We may have to come back to it. Did you get something out of this? You get what I'm saying? The biggest thing I want to tell you is think of the traits you all wrote down, right? By the way, none of what I'm saying is popular. It really isn't. And that traits of being a Christian, the traits of the dark and the traits of the light. So, what does it say about those who live in the dark? The wives don't submit to their husbands. They don't respect their husbands. And the husbands bully their wives or cave to their wives. They don't sacrificially love for their wives, right? Put it on the same list. I want you to put that on the list you wrote down. You want to be a kingdom worker? And this is what you're called to be. And ladies and men, I'm going to say, I'm going to end with this again. Ladies, please, stop glorifying a culture of weak men. Stop it. Because all you're doing is make, like, what's the pressure, right, guys? It's easier to get along, isn't it? Okay, man, I mean, go along. I'll just go along. She's going to come play some music. I know we've went long. I'm sorry. But listen, I need you to hear me. The way I would put it is these traits that we are given in this section of Ephesians aren't optional. They're additional. They're not optional for the believer. They're additional. They're added onto it. There seems to be a disconnect between how seriously God takes the traits from the first list, right? Lying, hate, slander, stealing, and these traits that we're called, believers call to be in marriage. There's a, they're not the same, but they are. They are. A true Christian woman is going to seek to respect and submit to her husband. A true Christian man will seek to sacrificially love his wife and lead her, even when the weights, and by the way, some of you all, you're not. We got to get the others there. You're puppet kings. You want the crown when it's convenient. When you want her to leave you alone, you say, I'm the leader. When it comes time to make that decision on which bill to pay, it's up to you. Why is that? Because you don't want the weight. You're not willing to carry her cross. There is no distinction between these traits. There's no distinction to not pursue these traits. So to not pursue being that kind of husband or wife is to disobey God and is just as offensive and is just as sinful as any of the others. Do you know that? Not respecting your husband is just as sinful as being sexually immoral. Ooh, but Todd, it says sex takes care of itself. I don't even wanna get into that, man. I can just hear some of you all wanna argue with me. That's a fact. So I want to ask you this: It doesn't matter what the world says, and we, and we there's a lot more to define, which we're going to define. God, Todd, you didn't go into what marriage is. We're going to get, we're going to talk about that. Come back next week. <laughs> right? Sleep. It's okay. It doesn't matter what the world says or even popular Christianity says. God created marriage, and He defines it between a man and a woman, and it functions this way. And what happens when you see a marriage like that? You're going to go, "What is different about you? Why is this so harmonious? Why does it work? Oh, why? Because we follow Christ." Any attempt to change, soften, justify, or explain away God's call for husbands and wives is an attempt to usurp the authority of God. You hear me that? You hear that? It's fancy words. That means you, it's just, you're trying to take the place of God. You're trying to define it. It's just as serious as anything else. So then we can define everything. Murder isn't really murder. Right? He defines it or he doesn't. Oh my gosh, ladies, I can already tell you just don't get it yet. Men, you don't either, but I yell, we, I yell at you all the time in men's group, right? And myself. Ladies, you just like, mm hmm, can't wait. With your LA shirts on, I hope you take that seriously. Have you spent your life looking for white cakes? Is that what you do? For some unattainable thing? Because if I'm happy all the time, then I'm following God. I want to be joyful. Joyful is finding joy despite my circumstances, and it is possible in relying on him. Stop making marriage about you. Marriage isn't about you. It isn't. I'm sorry. What if I'm not happy? What if I'm not? What if, I'm, what, if what did God say? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Right? I'll take care of you. Do you want to live that way? Some of you in this room, and I don't know, who you need to repent both sides. And maybe you're in the room and, and it's none of that. You got convicted by the first part. You've been living like a, a world walker, someone from the dark. Well, I'm, I'm 72 years old and I've been a good church person my whole life, so I don't repent anymore because I don't have to. And now you're in trouble. The day you come into church, right, and the Lord doesn't prick you with his word, even if I'm not a great speaker, which is very, very true, is the time that you've, you've got a calloused heart. You're going to get an opportunity today, right, to to, to change, to say I'm going to be different. Repent to God. Repent to your spouse. Single people, stop focusing on you right now. You're doing it right now. I'm looking at people right now in the room. You're doing it right now. Focusing on yourself. Man. Have you spent your time in life looking for white cakes, perfect things, or honoring God? Let that sink in. If you're in the room today and you don't know God, I'm going to tell you some good news. But the good news starts with bad news. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We're sinful. We've rejected God. And because we did, sin entered this world. That's why it's a mess. And sin entered you and me. Sin is a nature. That's why even when you try to be a good person, it's like some some other hole, right? Something else, something else happens. You can't fix it. You can't. So we needed someone that could, that could fix the inside, not just the symptoms. When we couldn't come to God, God came to us. He paid the price for our sins, lived the perfect life, showed us how to live, and then died on the cross for our sins, took our place. He was raised on the third day. He was. Over 500 witnesses attest to the risen Christ. You can have your eternity secure. You can know that you're forgiven. You can know that you'll be with God in paradise. You can know that you'll go to heaven and not hell. You can know that you can, you can have peace and joy. You can have these things. I don't know what it's going to look like, but you can. How do you do that? You reject your way. You come to God today and say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I don't get it all, but I want it. Please forgive me. I turn away from my own way, and I want what you have to offer. And in that moment, the Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Believe he is who he said he was. You're going to get an opportunity to pray. I know we've gone long today. Take this altar time, this time to respond to God in whatever ways he's calling you to respond. But whatever you do, don't just sit there. Don't leave the same you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.